Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. This is Phil Haugen coming to you from our training facility in Weatherford, Oklahoma. This is part three of a series that I'm doing, and this goes over the introductory talk when we start our clinics and kind of understanding the why of what we're doing, what we're going to go through and why for the two-day clinics. And so, on part two where we had left off was on talents and skills and so today i'm going to move on from there go back and listen to part one and two and that'll get you caught up part three today first thing i'm going to talk about is understanding and this is something i talk about with every group prior to the clinic and prior to the start of the clinic on the first day is understand that the clinic is 100% for the trainer slash rider, meaning, you know, if, if we're going to train an animal to find responses that we want them to find in the easiest manner possible, number one, it goes back on us. Are we asking in a way that makes it really easy for that horse to find that response or to understand what we're asking? So, You know, I always, a lot of times I have somebody say, well, I want to bring three horses to the clinic or I'm going to bring four horses. And, and I understand that thought process because I thought the same thing. The first clinic I went to, I thought, man, I'm on. In fact, the first clinic I went to, I brought a colt that had like 10 rides and was one of the horses. Then I bought a, brought a really good horse. Well, I figured out real quick that the only thing that colt with 10 rides was going to get out of this was some frustration because there were a lot of exercises, a lot of things I was doing that they weren't ready for. And I didn't have enough time to prepare them for it. So I, I had the same thought process, but I always, I always tell everybody, you know, bring your best horse. And if you want to bring an extra horse, bring an extra horse. It, I get it. You know, there's plenty of time in the evening if you want to continue to ride and practice and work on things. But that that second horse is just another vehicle or tool to help to let you practice what you learned that day. Because the application is everything. You know, when I say the clinics for the rider, gaining knowledge is worthless without application. You can have all the knowledge in the world, and if you're not applying it, you're not practicing, it's worthless. So uh, sometimes here's the disconnect. Sometimes I think we go gain the knowledge and we understand, but here's the catch. Until we show our horse what we're asking and we do it repetitively to where it becomes familiar And they gain confidence that when they feel that change in your body and they feel that contact or light pressure, 
that stimulates the thinking side of their brain to find that response until they feel that and it's familiar and you practice it, they're not going to be consistent with finding the response. So the application is so important because knowledge, understanding, getting the knowledge yourself is one thing. But if you don't apply it, it's you just wasted your time. It's worthless. So, you know, that's one thing with when I talk about the clinic is for the rider. The clinic is 100% for the rider slash trainer. Once you gain that knowledge and then you practice, you know, and like I said, applications, everything. If you're not going to practice what you learned, it doesn't matter. It's like going to medical school and becoming a surgeon, but never doing surgery. Well, you know, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. When you go to an event of anybody's really, unless it's like a cult starting clinic, I mean, that's different. When I do private cult starting clinics, yes, we start them from scratch, but that whole process is application as well. Cult starting is the same as an advanced horsemanship clinic in the fact that you're gaining the knowledge and then applying it. So your horse is always going to be the beneficiary of us improving our communication. So I talk a lot about that. One of the things that we cover a lot is understanding how to control speed and direction. Of course, that's through communication and leadership. And, you know, early on in my career, I thought about this a lot and I thought, okay, what, you know, what's the one thing that I could do and get really good at that will help me survive in this industry? Well, actually it was two things that I came up with and that was controlling speed and direction. Well, just like with a horse. I mean, we can only go forward, backwards, left, and right. I mean, we only, there's only so many, I mean, we're not flying helicopters here. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, those are pretty simple maneuvers, but to be able to control those and then to control speed. I mean, I've always understood that speed was our challenge. Now for a long time, I did not understand why it was such a challenge. I did not understand the two thought processes that a horse has. I didn't understand the thinking side versus the reacting side, the flight instinct. I mean, you you heard people talk about the flight instinct. I've heard people talk about that since I was a young man, you know, a young kid. But I never heard anybody talk about triggers or learning to control that switch to where you can stimulate the flight response and bring them back to the thinking side. I mean, that 100% is control what you need to have to control speed and direction. And so I had some exercises that I did that helped me control speed and direction. And, you know, so that, that is why those horses that left my program and went on to other programs. And that's why they had the success they did at times. And not all of them had extreme success because here again, you know, there was a whole bunch of us out there training horses that didn't understand 
anything about controlling that switch in their brain that where we can take them from the thinking side to the reacting side and reacting side to thinking side. And that was, that was why speed was, was such a challenge, you know? And so then as, as time went on and I kept thinking, of course, I think a lot about horses. I mean, that's just, I've always been that way. And I guess I always will be that way, but as I thought more and more about it and I started to understand that once we have speed, once we've stimulated that flight response, there's an extra step to getting your response from your horse, whatever response you're asking for. And that first step is to have a trigger that flips that switch back to the thinking side. Then you can ask for that response and you're going to have a chance, a really good chance of that horse finding the answer to what you're asking for. Well, you know, that, that in a nutshell is, is what you have to have to control speed and direction. It's, uh, you know, we can do it somewhat with leverage, but the more leverage you use, the stiffer your horse gets. And, you know, when a horse when you get in that leverage situation, like I've talked about before, I don't care what you're doing, you're killing your momentum. And momentum's everything. In a speed event, in a timed event, momentum is everything. So, you know, that's uh, control and speed and direction. We really have to understand the why and the how to do that why we're asking in this way, why we're doing, why we're trying to control that switch, and, and then, of course, how to do it. One of the next topics I talk about is the release. And years ago, and it was probably in Western Horseman, I read an article by Martin Black. Martin Black, is he's out there in Idaho or Nevada and, and worked on big ranches. I've never met Martin um, but great horseman, you know, he grew up back in that era of the Dorrances and the Ray Hunts and, you know, just, there's just a bunch of good horsemen back there during that time. And a lot of guys came out of there, the Newbert boys, there was just, uh, you know, I hate to even start naming them the Marvels. There was just a bunch of them, a bunch of flat cowboys and good horseman and anyway martin had written an article and like i said I, i'm i'm gonna guess it was in western horseman because really that was the only equine publication i got and he said he said something that i mean hit me like a like a sledgehammer in the middle of the forehead you know i don't remember anything else about the article other than this statement where he said the release is what you teach. And when I read that and I thought about it and I started to understand that it wasn't the manipulation of the body, it wasn't the bend, it wasn't the stop, it wasn't that part of it was all part of getting a horse trained and to understand what responses you're asking for. But until I learned to provide a timely, efficient, you know, 
release. My horses didn't understand that they'd found the answer, you know, and you got to be sharp with that release. When they, when you feel them trying to give you that response, you need to be releasing and not, not after they've given you the response and it's over and then you release. If, if you wait till then it's too late, you know, at all my events, we, we beat it to death talking about the release because a lot of times through manipulation, through pressure, contact, leverage, we ask for a response and we manipulate the horse's body, but then we forget to release because we feel like we got the response. The problem with that is you, you end up having to micromanage your horse and you, if you don't see, if you're not good with the release, your horse never tries like they would if they knew there was a reward every time you started to make a change with your body or every time you start to pick up your bridle reins. If your horse is in the habit of understanding that there's a reward, there's a release, they will hunt that release. I mean, they will try hard. They will put out a lot of effort. But if you're not good with the release, it'll be like like dragging around a 1200 pound animal with cinder blocks on their feet. They will be heavy. They will be slow footed. They will be luggy, lethargic. And, and they're always waiting for you to drag them around. It's like dancing with a dance partner that just mauls you around the dance floor. Like you're dancing with an octopus. And at the end of it, you're like, Oh my God, I thank God that song ended, you know, or you can have a dance partner where they have timing, they have feel, they make a step, you know where they're going, you know, that, that makes, I mean, the comparing the two, they're, they're polar opposites. Well, I think that's how horses feel when we're a good dance partner. So the release is what you teach. That's one of the, well, that may be the best piece of knowledge lesson that I ever learned because that, that changed my life. That changed my life for sure. Next thing we talk about is goals. Goals are great and you got to have goals, but a goal without a plan is just a wish. You got to set goals. It's just like next week we have our mentorship week. And we've got four or five trainers coming in that'll spend the week. And one of the first things we'll do is first day is talk about goals and what's your plan to reach that goal? Because you can make a goal, but if you don't have a step-by-step plan to make that goal, to reach that goal, you're probably going to be disappointed because the plan is what matters. The system is what matters. You can wake up today and think, oh, I hope, you know, I want my horse to work great, compete great, be confident, be soft, you know, in, in all that. But if you don't have a plan how to get that, there's a good chance you ain't going to get that. And I think a lot of times in our world, 
were so results-oriented. I know I was forever. I, I mean, I had this conversation with a great friend of mine, J.D. Krause, the other day. J.D. and I roped a lot together. He, when he was in college here at Southwestern Oklahoma State, we practiced together a lot. I was coaching. He was he was a student athlete, and um, we went to a lot of rodeos together, and we were talking about this the other day, and J.D. ended up making the finals in the Bulldog and, and the Calf Open one year. I mean, a tremendous competitor. And we were talking about this the other day. You know, I spent the majority of I told told him I spent the majority of my career disappointed in my career because I all I was thinking about was results and and I wasn't thinking about the day-to-day achievements that I was making the progression that I was making you know because here you, you go you go enter a rodeo and I mean everybody enters to win first well you don't win first very often I don't care who you are, you know, obviously some win first more than others. Don't get me wrong, but you don't win first very often. Well, if the only time you're going to be happy is when you win first, you're going to have a lot of disappointing days. Well, you have to, you have to fall in love with the process. I I heard Dabo Sweeney say this on a podcast here a while back. He said, you know, you have to fall in love with the suck. Meaning, it's just like life. There's there's days that are going to be tough. I mean, everybody has really tough days. I mean, really, really tough days. Some, some days we think they're tough and they're not even tough compared to what some people are going through and what they're, you know, what they've lost or what's happening in their life. Or, you know, tomorrow I'm a pallbearer at one of my, best friends funerals and and he's just been a great friend to me and uh you know it it, it's a big loss you know it's it's uh everybody goes through that we have a lot of loss but but at the same time you got to fall in love with the process and understand that's part of it and we have to you know and I'm not talking about loss of life, of course. I mean, this is, you know, when we talk about loss of life, I mean, loss of life is, is that's just a whole nother level of hurt. But on a, on a normal day, the challenges we face, number one, sometimes the other challenges, you know, we, we just need to, we just need to get, keep moving forward and get to the next sunrise, you know, with a lot of our challenges, because a lot of them are just material challenges. But, you know, when we're working on our system, we're working on our plan, challenges and setbacks should be, it should be understood that that those are going to be part of the journey. And, you know, I know that if I could go back and do it again, things would be differently because I would be much kinder to myself. I would be much nicer to myself. And I would I would compliment myself and encourage myself for the effort that I was putting out because I always put out a lot of effort. And, you know, so 
But, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. You look back, you learn. And, and, you know, the good part about that is because of what I went through there, and a lot of people went through that. Now I understand a better way to go about it. So as far as goals and, and creating a system or plan to help you get to that goal, I can help you do that. I can help you do that. And when you, when you focus on the system, you focus on the process, you focus on the plan, all of a sudden the goal takes care of itself. Takes care of itself. And the big part about that is you enjoy the journey. And when you enjoy the journey, you you have more fun yourself. You're more fun to be around. You're you have a better life because you're a happier person. You know, I've talked about this before. There have been times in my career where my wife has told me, you don't seem very happy. And, you know, intensity, frustration, you know, I have a great life. I have a great family. I mean, I've got an unbelievable family. And, you know, so I've had a great life. But at the same time, frustration anxiety sometimes will override that and it'll it'll bury your happiness if you let it you know so fall in love with the day-to-day and like today every day is an opportunity to have a life-changing day every day is an opportunity to have a life-changing experience and you know what when you learn something that helps you from now on, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. can be one little thing. That day that I read that article by Martin Black that said the release is what you teach, that changed my life forever. I mean, so don't underestimate what one small thing can do for you. Next thing we always talk about is confidence and consistency. You know, understand confidence is gained through consistency over time. You you don't just wake up one day and somebody goes, all right, I'm going to start being confident. That's a great way to start. That's, That's a great motivation. But see, motivation is worthless without discipline. You can be as motivated as you want, but if you're not disciplined to do the day-to-day, the other isn't going to happen. It's like working out. I, I'm i not going to say I dislike working out, but I would rather skip it. But if I'm disciplined enough to do it, I know down the road it's going to pay off. So it's not, I don't need the motivation to work out. I need the discipline. Discipline's everything. Well, applying the knowledge, it's just like everybody listening. If you just, if even if you don't even gain any more knowledge, if you just are disciplined enough to apply the knowledge consistently that you already have, your confidence 
will continue to grow on a daily basis because confidence is gained through consistency over time. Well, it's the same way with our horses. Here's one thing that I've probably, that has probably helped me survive. I've been very consistent for a long time. I do the same things every day with every horse in a similar manner. And I'm very, very consistent. The system I teach is the system I live. So, you know, right or wrong, I mean, somebody might love it. Somebody might hate it. I don't know. But over time, my horses become consistent. And, you know, the reason they become consistent is because I've continued to repeat, repeat, repeat. And when they become, when I do that consistently, they gain confidence because it becomes familiar. They're not, I'm not causing anxiety. I'm creating, creating confidence. You're either creating confidence or causing anxiety. One of the two. So confidence is gained through consistency over time. I always have to think about that. Always have to think about that. I've got a couple more, and then I'm probably going to have to wrap this up. One of them is we always talk about achieving progress, not perfection. Here again, that goes back to being results oriented. If, especially, and this is what's really crazy, is you know when when we're learning a new exercise. And we've, maybe we've never done the exercise or done it in a certain way and our horse has never done it, but yet when we do it and they don't do it perfect right off the bat, we're frustrated. Well, that's the craziest thing you could ever think because, you know, just cause we're, just cause we start doing something, if that isn't something that our horse has a lot of repetitions of they're not going to be very good at it and they could be terrible at it, you know? So it's the same way with us. When you, um, when you come to a clinic or come to an an event or even like the mentorship week next week, I'm not a bit concerned about the results you get in that time period, whether it's a two day period, a five day period or whatever. It's, down the road once you've been able to apply your knowledge and work on the work on the fundamental horsemanship principles that that are part of your program and then seeing the results you know three months six months a year down the road three years down the road ten years down the road that's that's the key so anything you're doing today progress just just let's just get a little better don't worry about perfection if we make enough progress we'll start to reach or get closer to perfection so this is uh this is the third segment of this series and i'm gonna wrap this up but i just want to tell everybody you know Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for all the positive feedback. We're about to reach our millionth download. 
and it just blows my mind that we've gotten there. So thanks again. Have a great week of training. God bless each and every one of you. And as always, today and every day, let's strive to be our best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhagenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhagenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.